Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. 31 Days of Horror. Oops, all werewolves. I'm your host, Precious D, and with me is a guest today coming back to the show for the third year and fourth episode, I think. My good friend, so. Rachel McKinney. How you doing, Rachel? Hi. Welcome back. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks. It's good to be back. Today, we are talking about Kibakichi Bako Yokaiden is the full title. Kibakichi is the guy's name. We were just talking about what the heck does Bako Yokaiden mean, because I couldn't find a direct translation. But it seems like Bako means... A couple things, but in this context, I'm going to say it means domination. And yokaiden would appear to mean legend of the yokai or story or tale or or such of the of the yokai. The den suffix means uh, any help. Tradition. I feel like the closest. Yeah. Tradition or, or legend or things like that. And yokai, there are yokai in this story, in this uh, movie, so. Which are kind of, it's a type of sort of monster. They're supernatural entities. Um, they're not necessarily bad. Yes. They could be helpful, mischievous, or mean. Yes, they're different from kaiju. I call them monsters, but they're not strange beasts like kaiju. Well, that's the thing. Kaiju are strange beasts. Yokai are not beasts per se. They, Yeah, they're more, like you said, spirit kind of things. Yeah, they're supernatural. Yeah, these ones are mostly uh, fine till the humans come and mess with them. The ones in this movie. Uh, Rachel, were you at all familiar with this movie before? No, I'm actually wondering where you found it from, because I've never heard of it. I think I first stumbled across it in the library or something years ago. I know I had seen it before, and I can't remember if I bought the DVD or if I just checked it out from the library, and I had a vague memory of it so i uh was looking for japanese werewolf movies and uh it popped up and i was like oh yeah i've seen i've seen that one i remember that so uh there you go and there's a sequel that came out the same year kibakichi 2 let's see it came out in 2004 directed by tomu hiragachi it's 96 minutes and that's all the information I have. Uh, let's see if the cast is... cast is not on Wikipedia, but it's on IMBD. Ryuji Harada as Kibakichi. Miki Tanaka as Anju. Mubu Nakayama as Yonosuke Yamaji. Masaki Kato as Juro Otani. Koichi Kira as Tokichi. Hideki Osako as Dorochan. Is that the little kid? Yeah, sounds like Dorochan. Tatsuo 
Yeah, I'm assuming because the Chan that that's the little kid. Tatsuo Higashida yeah. as Heisei, uh, Yukaharu Yamaguchi as Hachigoro, Chikara Motoyama as Rokusuke, Sanji Taki as Ichikawa Manosuke, Yuji Hamada as Blind Old Man. <laughs> there is a bunch more listed here, but I have no idea who any of these people are. Uh, so... This is a period piece. Kibikichi is some kind of a wandering samurai type guy. A ronin, I guess. And uh, he looks like he just sort of wanders the land fighting people. So, Rachel, what did you think of Kibikichi? Kind of hard to follow. I actually had to watch it twice to kind of have a good idea of what was actually going on. <laughs> Um, I feel like the plot in itself was pretty simple. It's just kind of a war between the yokai and the humans. And the humans yeah. double-crossed the yokai. and yeah. um, for no particular reason. Well, so, let's see. I wrote his name down. Yamai-san, the guy with the beautiful ponytail, so... He was using the yokai. Um, he was talking to Onizo, the the boss, the leader, to get rid of his clan's yeah. enemies because Yamai wanted mm-hmm. to become the leader of the clan. And once he had Onizo do his dirty work, he got a Gatling gun and decided, well, you know yes. what? We're going to use them one more time for target practice. And then he was just going to wipe them out because he was done using them. Yeah, once I- he got... <laughs> These, I think he he was like, now that I have these guns, I don't need these yokai anymore. But rather than just leave them alone, we're going to shoot them up. And he had some kind of handheld Gatling guns as well. Which I guess Gatling means like multi-barrel. And he did. He had the mini handheld ones. But I kind of feel... (laughs) Gatling was the inventor. Mr. Gatling invented the the Gatling gun. But yes, it's an early form of uh, machine gun. Automatic gun, rifle, uh, rapid fire, which, yeah, they yeah, often it... show up in, in westerns. This is kind of a Japanese western. It's that time period when it was a new devastating weapon. Yeah, so this was in the late Edo um, period because I looked it up. The Gatling gun was invented in 1861, and that was during the Tokugawa shogunate. And that is the military mm-hmm. government of Japan during the Edo period. And this is when they still had the feudal, the feudal political system. So they had lords and then clans and daimyo. So that made sense. Yeah. Yamai-san trying to clan, climb up to be the leader of the clan so he can get some land. See, this is why we have Rachel on the show, folks. And this is why I <laughs> chose a movie like this for her to talk about. So it starts off with him uh, walking along and getting in a fight, right? Yeah, he's just wandering around. And I I really think they're just showing off uh, Ryuji's swordsman skills. Because I think I read somewhere that he Uh um, had acted a lot more like historical period dramas. So he was already good at swordplay. Is it called swordplay? That sounds... Okay. But yeah, I think it was just kind of... That's a proper term, yes. Yeah, so he was already practicing it, and it's the the fight choreography choreography is actually pretty good. And I don't know how much money they had for this movie because some of the stuff, you know, is obviously fake. 
like some of the monsters and props. I think most of that right. budget went to Yamai's ponytail. That's though. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was the best prop in the whole movie was that ponytail. Okay. But anyway, yeah. Um, Kibakichi, he's he has his little hat on, so you know he's a Ronin because it's like a. I don't know what the, the hat's called, but it's big, and you know he's a Ronin because yeah. he's wearing it, and he's One not wearing any big... shoes. He's, he's got wearing a, great a bowl big straw on his hat. head. It's yes. a shallow bowl it's that he those... put on his head. It's one of those giant straw hats that looks like a bowl. It's pretty tattered looking, but you can't really see their face when they're wearing it. And uh, he's got a robe on that's or a cape that's made out of pelts or skins. Of yeah, some I kind. think so. Yeah, and then hint at his nature. Oh, I thought him not wearing shoes and you seeing his toes were also kind of telling you that, <laughs> that hey, this guy is different. He doesn't need to wear yeah. shoes. It takes a while to get to what his actual thing is, that he's a werewolf. I think Wikipedia called him uh, a yokai, but I don't think he's a yokai. They they treat him like he's not a... The yokai treat him like he's not a yokai. I think, think he's, he's a yokai. A you do? I, I, I thought he well, was a he... human who had, you know, contracted werewolfism. <laughs> uh, well, so he's... He's from, I think they called it the Inugame village. And, you know, Inu means dog mm -hmm. in Japanese. So his whole village okay. are werewolves, I'm assuming. That's true. Because, it, yeah, if I... you notice in that flashback, that, that lady, yes. Anju, she was wearing the pelt. So I think that she, he came from a werewolf village. And he trusted yeah, humans. I... And that led to the downfall of the village and everyone getting killed except him and Anju. So I think he is a yokai. He's just a conflicted one. I guess it's how you define it. But the yokai in this village certainly treat him like an outsider. Yeah, I don't know how lycanthropy works in Japan or if it really is part of Japanese uh, you know, culture and, and folklore or if it's just been imported because of movies. But they seem to be... I, um, Yes, he is from a village completely of werewolves, but they don't really explain our, you know, are they their own thing separate from humans or are they just a bunch of humans that happen to become werewolves or we don't get a lot of detail on that. But yeah, he's clearly not normal. He's got powers and he does at the end just totally turn into a werewolf. And I think once he does, he doesn't bother with the sword anymore. He just starts slashing people up. He doesn't need the sword. Yeah. But I think it might have been cool to see him fighting with a sword as a werewolf. But we didn't we didn't really get that. Well, I'm sure when he uh, was in costume, uh, it would have been pretty hard to hold that sword with his <laughs> werewolf <laughs> hands. Claws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says here on Wikipedia that there was a Kibakichi manga, but the director just took the name and the idea of a, you know, Ronin werewolf but didn't really, you know, use the actual plot. And uh, Werewolves in Japan. Sorry. Uh -huh. I was going to say, this might be the same thing you read about Ryoji being a television actor who'd done a lot of historical dramas and sword work. Yeah, I just know in other Japanese media, there are 
um, Wolfman. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Naruto, but there's Kiba, and he's from, like, a whole family that they work with dogs, and they can transform into one. And then there's Inuyasha mm-hmm. in anime. I'm sure you've heard of Inuyasha. And he's, like, part demon, part human, but he's got dog-like qualities, too. Anyway, I think it's some kind of, like, archetype in Japan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's traditional um, folklore. Right. I feel like in Japan, there tends to be fox people more than wolf people. Well, yeah, because they have the... Um, shoot, I should know more, because I was just over there in May, and um, I went to a shrine, and there was some kind of god who used foxes as messengers. But I forgot who it was. Gosh, darn it, Rachel. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of inconsistencies to the story because, you know, he comes across that blind old man and he's like, no one ever comes back from the village. But then later um, down the line in the story, one of the uh, yokai women that is mm-hmm. the dice dealer, she's like, well, sometimes I'll let people win. So then they go and bring back more people. Like, right, well, right. That, that didn't make sense to me. <laughs> I guess they just don't pass the blind guy on their way out, so he doesn't know. Maybe the blind guy. Yes, didn't there's hear this. Him. <laughs> there's this thing they're calling a casino. It's really just a dice game, which seems to be a very basic dice game. Yeah, it's called Chohan. Is is this a thing where it's just yeah. is it odd or even? Yeah, that's, that's the I name mean, of it. Chohan, just... even or odd. Um, you just put okay. the dice in the cup and you yell out Cho. And I think that's even, and then Han is odd. I might have it. Okay. Yeah. So wouldn't you have a, because of rolling two dice, don't you have a slightly higher chance of getting even? Because there's no, there's no one. You can't roll a one. You know, that's true. But yeah, Cho is even and Han is odd. And it is a gambling game in Japan. And did you notice that they weren't wearing shirts when they were playing? And the reason why they were shirtless is so you know that they're not cheating. So they don't have okay. like an extra dice up their sleeve or something. How, well, but the dealer wasn't... She did take her sleeve off, though. But they're not yeah, rolling she, the dice, just the dealer is. And she she pulled off half of her robe so that we could see there were no dice up her sleeve, I guess. Yeah. But she was cheating because the dice were a yokai. Well, the people that come in don't know that. And, you know, it took yeah. me the second time watching to realize if you saw those wanted posters of the men, I think those were the enemies of Yamai that he had Onizo take care of. Mm-hmm. Like, they would get lured into the village under the pretense that they were there for gambling and women, and then the yokai would kill them. And that was justified because... Uh, Yamai asked Onizo to take care of them because Yamai promised Onizo to fulfill his dream, which was to have the yokai live in peace. Right. Were these like, were they like wanted posters? I mean, I sure, guess it's like, I did. They cro- some guy crosses out one of them after they've killed it. Killed yeah. I'm assuming it's a wanted poster. I really didn't get the full picture until I watched it the second time. Like, oh, okay, right. so that was a target, and they got him. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw this game. I think in a, I think I've seen it in a different movie. I don't think I'm just remembering this movie, because in that other movie, the way the dealer dealt this one, she holds the cup up and she has the dice in her finger and she kind of throws them in the cup. 
In the other one, the person put the cup down on top of the dice and then spun the cup really quickly so that it picked up the dice and held them in the cup with centrifugal force and then slapped it back down. So they, they were kind of, you know, showing off their their dice skills in that one. But I don't remember what movie that would have been. It's in a lot of movies where there's um, Yakuza and... I think I read somewhere that modern Yakuza still played Chohan. I've never seen it in real life. I've only seen it in like movies or anime where they're playing Chohan. I was just about to ask if this is a thing still or if it was kind of an old-fashioned thing that you see in period pieces. I think it's seen more <laughs> in um, film and media. Right. I don't know if people actually do play it still. I haven't it's, seen it. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like croquet. It still exists. You can still get it. But if you see people playing it, they're probably wearing big fancy dresses and top hats and stuff in a movie. No shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't cheat at croquet? Yeah. Shirtless croquet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a way to indicate old-timey pastimes. So... Uh, yeah, in the end, the yokai get betrayed with big-ass Gatling guns, and Kibikichi uh, wolfs out and tears everybody up. Uh, but doesn't most of the village gets wiped out, though, don't they? Yeah, they do. Which, like, you yeah. know, them being yokai, I'm kind of sad we didn't see their true forms, because, you know, they're walking around disguised as humans. That's not their true form. Yeah. Like, you see that little boy, you know, he looks up one time and you see his real yokai face, but most of the yeah. time he's disguised as a little boy. There was one point, there was a little, like, a party they were having at night, and we were, saw parts of their true forms. Like, one person had a really long nose like a long spaghetti nose. And yeah. one of the women had a, another face on the back of her head. And so there was some of that kind of stuff. But uh, not a lot. I mean, that costs money, you know. It does, which um, they didn't seem like they had a lot of. Usually, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the hack and slash genre of horror, horror movies. Actually, I don't watch a whole bunch in general. But this one didn't really bother me because, like, I'm like, well, I know that's fake. I know that's just, like, a dummy. <laughs> and I just, I loved all the, like, blood squirting. It happened in the mm -hmm. beginning and it happened in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do that that blood fountain thing when a arm or a head or something gets cut off and it just pshhed all over the place. Uh, okay, anything else about Kibikichi that stood out to you? I It reminded me of that movie, The Last Samurai, I think Tom Cruise was in, where, you know, <laughs> feudal era Japan's dying out and they bring out the big bad guns that were imported in and they just mow down the, the last remaining samurai. Except for, um, for this, it's just kind of like an analogy to me of them bringing in that Gatling gun and then killing off the yokai. Uh -huh. It's like killing off... Right. Um, you know, traditional Japanese folklore and then getting modernized, which I'm sure wasn't the point. Go ahead. That might have been. Uh, well, it seems like a lot of of these period films are, are kind of about that. Um, and you get that the same thing in American Westerns. The Not all of them, but 
you do get some that are about the passing of that period. The civilization is coming, you know, the, the frontier has been, has been explored and now civilization is moving in and, and things are changing. And, well, uh, you know, you, you get that same thing with a, a lot of these samurai movies that, that it's about the end of the samurai era. That's true. You know that, go ahead. Like like Seven Samurai. That's what Seven Samurai is largely about. Oh, I've never. I watched Shogun when I was young, but I've never heard of Seven Samurai. But um, you know, Wild West shows where there's the sheriff in town. You think the sheriff is like the uh, law, and he's. I guess he was the daimyo of that town. <laughs> it's like you can really compare westerns to like Edo feudal era Japan. Yes. Well, that's okay. So you haven't seen, you haven't heard of Seven Samurai? No. It's okay. It's Kurosawa's probably his biggest film. And it's definitely the one that's been remade the most. And the first remake was, first remake was as a Western. And there's a couple other of his films that have been, at least one other, two. Uh, Rashomon and Yojimbo have also both been remade as Westerns. So, Wait, okay. Uh, the in the Seven Samurai, this village is being attacked by bandits, and so a couple of the villagers are sent out to with some money to try to hire some samurai to come protect the village, and they uh, put together seven of them, and they come and not only protect the village but do a little bit of training of the villagers to protect themselves. And there is a point where the villagers dig up these weapons that they've been hiding, because I think it's illegal for them to have them. And one of the guys is pointing out to the other guy that they must have killed samurai. These weapons must be from samurai that they've killed. Because part of the part of the whole story is that the samurai era is is passing and they're I mean, all these ones that have gathered up are all ronin because they don't have anything else to do than other than go get paid to go protect this village. But you can take that basic idea of village bandits hired warriors and put it in any setting or time period, and that's what has been done. So there's science fiction, more than one science fiction version of it. There's a Western version of it. And then there is the comedic variation, which began with Three Amigos, where they intend to hire warriors but accidentally hire performers that they think are warriors and you see that in three amigos a bug's life and galaxy quest i'm gonna get into some joseph campbell stuff some like hero's journey thing (laughs) i have i have a whole list of these of these movies there's a so the magnificent seven is the cowboy version but there's also the seven magnificent gladiators which is Roman Greco Roman version. There's a battle beyond the stars, which is one kind of science fiction. There's world gone wild, which is another kind of science fiction. Uh, I've got a list of uh, all the ones I could find on uh letterboxd. Oh, wow. Yeah. Road warrior is sort of a one man, seven samurai, <laughs> single samurai. And it's been done on star Wars twice. <laughs> it's been done. I'm in sure star it Wars has. Book and it's been, it's been done in the Mandalorian and in a Star Wars comic book, so I uh, I recommend it. You sh- it's a classic. You should watch it sometime. 
you need to like send me a list or something because you have <laughs> a movie suggestion every time I talk to you. <laughs> uh, folks, Rachel needs to watch Alien for our role playing game this evening. That we're oh, I do. do I'm we're so behind. With, once we're done with this recording, we're going to play Alien, the role playing game. Well, Rachel, we are using a moon phase rating scale this year. It's uh, new, quarter, half, three quarters, or full moon. So what phase of the moon are you going to rate Kibakichi Boko Yokaiden? Man, well, it was hard to understand, and it had a pretty, like, worn-out plot storyline. <laughs> I, I wanted to like it. I really did. But it could have been a lot better with the concept that it had. I'd have to give it like a quarter moon. Okay. Okay. That's fair. What did you give it? I'm trying to remember. I think I'd give it a half moon. Just like it was okay. It's not like I, I didn't dislike it, you know. But I didn't feel it was bad. It was just okay. But yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. Oh, maybe I was ever. too harsh. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I'm like, okay, no, he's like, um, there's just like a lot, a lot of loopholes and I'm like, okay, he's killing the Kappa. And at the end, you know, Kappa is a little yokai that look like turtles in the, the swamp river. And then in the end, they're like telepathically oh, yeah. talking to him. Like you can never mingle <laughs> with him. And they were attacking him when he first came in. Like, well, okay, that didn't make sense. There was just a lot of it that didn't make sense to me. And why? Okay. Mm -hmm. One more thing. So why did he grab Onizo's attention? Oh, he's a true gambler. We can use him. For what? What what good is he going to be if he's just good at the dice game? Calling out even or odd. Did right. this foresee he, that he for <laughs> some be reason, a good he, ally? <laughs> yeah, the, the yokai boss and casino owner felt the need for a uh, lucky man. He was looking specifically for a lucky man, which seemed to be maybe even part of why he was running this casino so that he could find somebody that's particularly lucky. I thought the uh, casino was a front. It, it was a bait, a lure. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah, it didn't do him much good in the end, though, because sure, he... I mean, it, all it really gets him is revenge. It doesn't uh, protect him or the village. So, well, I mean, I guess Kibakichi's lucky because he's alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because I'm lucky doesn't mean that you're going to be lucky being around me. No, <laughs> well, at least you're bad luck. Kiko and the little kids survive. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There you go, folks. Kibakichi's not really officially available anywhere i found it archived on the internet somewhere uh so you can do that too but uh, that's gonna wrap it up for today i think be back here tomorrow for another werewolf movie uh thank you for joining me again rachel it's always good to chat with you good to be until here next time i thank you until next time i have been precious d Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. Please don't misuse science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. Yeah.
You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato folk rock punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.